Hello everyone, this is Ira from Ira on Sports. I'm uh, broadcasting this show from Houston, Texas. Uh, last night I was in Boston uh, for Game 7 of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals between the Celtics and the Cavaliers. And today, I am, tonight, I'm going to go to the Houston Rockets uh, versus the Golden State Warriors. I might be the only person in the world <laughs> that has gone going to both games, two Game 7s. It hasn't happened since I was 11 years old in 1978. Have, there's been two uh, Game 7s in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. As everyone knows, I am a huge NBA basketball fan, so this is tremendous, and I'm enjoying my Memorial Day weekend, and I hope everyone else is enjoying their Memorial Day weekend. Uh, of course, we talk about all the great heroes in sports, uh, the LeBrons, the Currys, the Durants, and there's certainly no greater uh, stars or superstars than our veterans, people who have fought in our wars to help us have the country that we have. Uh, I'm there's been a lot of controversy about the national anthem, but at, in front of every game I go to, as one last night, they always bring out a veteran. Now it seems like at any any NBA game, they're always bringing out a veteran or a veteran's family um, to a course of standing ovation. And uh, the son of a veteran came out at, at last night in Boston. Uh, was I think one of the who just won his father won a congressional medal of honor, and he was crying on center court. And, and to see LeBron clap and all, everybody from the Celtics clap for him and come up to him, it was just a it was a very touching moment as it is at every event. So we should always. Think about our veterans that uh, that you know spare save their you know were able to sacrifice their lives so we can enjoy sports, enjoy our country, everything like that. So, anyway, on to this exciting, exciting basketball time. Um, uh, we have Rudy in the in is is in the uh, studio right now. And Rudy, did, what what game did you watch uh, last night? Did you enjoy the uh, Celtics Cavaliers? Hey there, Ira. Yes, I did. Um, I checked out the. Uh the Celtics and Cavaliers game last night. Um, I got to say, this is a very exciting time for uh, basketball. I mean, I know uh, going through the season, the full, you know, catching every one of the 82 games is a bit of a, it's kind of hard to do. But when the playoffs roll around, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely the most, time, the most exciting time to do it. Uh, but I called the game. Um, I think it's been a very interesting series. Uh, I think they, they match up pretty well. Uh, I've, I'm definitely impressed with what Boston, what Boston did. Um, over the the stretch of the series, uh, but uh, I was a bit, I don't know, I I, I kind of wanted them to pull it out and and make it to the finals, so I was a little disappointed there. But you know, you can't. I I love what LeBron's doing, and 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 I love his skill set. And watching him play is always um, it's always good to see. So, well, Rudy, I, mean, I know you and a lot of other people watch that game. Um, I want to give a little background since our last show because I'm, I'm a historian. So I sort of want to go over because we now know that Cleveland is in the NBA Finals, and I sort of want to cover from our last show, like, what happened? I mean, what, how did the world – I predicted Cleveland in a sweep. I mm. felt Cleveland was going to win four games. It wasn't going to be close. I felt the Celtics did not have the shooting. They couldn't shoot. I know that LeBron was – I felt they couldn't stop LeBron. The other players on Cleveland's team would step up, and Boston would just be scoring deficient – and not be able to play good enough defense and really not score. And sort of what happened last night is what I thought four games were going to look like. Uh, I felt the Cavaliers were probably going to uh, win. I just didn't. I felt like they could win in Boston, which they did uh, last night. I don't know why they dropped two before uh, three. I mean, three other games before, but uh, certainly a much longer series than I expected. But I want to go back to on Wednesday night when it was two-two, and I felt that was really when Cleveland was going to end it. Uh, because they were going to go 3-2, go back home, win in game six. 
But I was shocked that Boston won that game. I mean, they won 96-83, and it wasn't even close. And at that point, that's what made me nervous. And it was weird going to the game yesterday because I don't think the Cleveland fans were confident. I don't think the Celtic fans were confident. Nobody was confident because they looked at that game 96-83 as a Cavalier fan, and you're saying, well, we got destroyed by 13 points. I mean, they were down 32-19. Um, James and Love were the only ones scoring in the first half. At the first half, it was 53-42. Um, the Cavaliers just the the the, um, um, the, the starters uh, Hill, who I said was going to be very important. George Hill and J.R. Smith shot one for ten. I mean, Love ended the game with 26 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, but had six turnovers. Love had in the game with 14 points, seven rebounds, at a plus-minus of minus 23. Uh, the starters, Thompson, uh, uh, Hill, and Smith, were terrible. Uh, but the bench played well. Dance Green, Green, Clarkston, and Corbett played really well. But it was just a bad game. And Tatum had 24 points for Boston. Brown had 17 points. Uh, so they played well. It was really not that great a game, but I got, I got nervous. Like, I'm, as a Cavaliers fan, I'm saying, wow, I mean, this could be. So game six, I flew up. Uh, I was in Vegas, as you know, from the last show. So I flew up to Cleveland for Friday night's game, game six. And there was a, it was much more nervous. When I said game seven against Indianapolis, uh, the people were in, you know, Indiana Pacers. They were, they were, the Cavalier fans were confident. I think they were a little nervous. This could be LeBron's last game. Yeah. And the atmosphere was electric, of course. Um, and then four minutes in the game, Kevin Love gets hurt. So he's out. I mean, you yeah. saw the concussion when he ran into Jason Tatum, and Tatum is knocked out, and he might have had a concussion, but he stayed in, and Love clearly needed help. And you're wondering, wow, I mean, what's going to happen? How are they going to stay in the game? Uh, and, uh, but the key was uh, when Love went out, I really liked what Larry Nance Jr. did. The rebounding was amazing. The Cavaliers out-rebounded uh, Celtics 44-31. to On the offensive end, 15-5. to It seemed like every time LeBron would drive and miss a shot, another Cavalier would be there to dunk it in. Um, and they played, it was just, it was a, it was a, LeBron played 46 minutes. He had 46 points, five for seven from threes, seven eleven free throws. George Hill played great too. As again, another key, keep mentioning George Hill's name. He's the only person that could give LeBron a break. He can candle the ball and LeBron can rest. Because if LeBron's going to play 46, 47, 48 minutes, he needs to give him a break. But, um, so George Hill played great at 20 points. Jeff Green came up and played great, 14 points and three rebounds. And again, Larry Nance, who, when they made that trade, everyone was saying, ah, these players aren't that good. I said, in a role, all those new players can do certain things. Well, Rodney Hood is on the bench, won't play at all. But Larry Nance from the Lakers has played some important roles. And in that game, he played great, five for five, 10 points, seven rebounds. Again, Cleveland had nine blocks that game to Boston's two. And I was just, you know, the, uh, Al Horford is one of the star players for Boston. Only had had six, had uh, nine points. Uh, uh, Tatum played bad that game. Rozier and Brown, the point guard, played good. He had 28 points, and uh, Jalen Brown had 27 points. But it was it was a very comfortable win. I know the the, the score was 109-99, but it was not like that. It was certainly it was. I felt like the Cavaliers were were coasting most of the game, and mm-hmm. you felt you know it was going to happen. I think and that it- brings us to last night. Um, it's, it's exceeding, it's very interesting. I was like looking at the, be going Friday night to Cleveland, Sunday night into Boston. And look at Cleveland. Cleveland has this amazing player, LeBron James. They have a title. They've been to the finals all these years. They have this great basketball team. The arena sells out. 
But their history before LeBron was nothing. Their history in anything was nothing. Their football team hasn't won a game in two, two years. <laughs> their baseball team went to the World Series before that, hadn't been in the World Series in years, and didn't even win when they went to the World Series. They have, they have no hockey team. So, um, uh, what, so it's really, but where you look at Boston, all the basketball titles they've won. Look at their football team, five titles, Tom Brady. Their baseball team, which had been this history of not winning, won three World Series. And then you have the hockey team. There's a banner, 2011. They won the Stanley Cup title. So Boston expects to win. They expect to win when Tom Brady retires. They expect to win when David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez, when they retired, and they're good again. They expect to win when Larry Bird retires. They have all these heroes, and people have retired, and they've been great again. And Boston's sitting there, and their team has a young coach. Their team, is a two, their star players are 20 and 21. Their two best players are injured. Kyrie Irving and, and Gordon Hayward are not even playing in the game, and here they are playing in Game 7. So it's like an attitude of the fans. Cleveland is like holding on to LeBron. At any moment he can go, and this all could go away. And the Boston fans are like, well, we win, we win. We're always going to win. We're going to win in something else. When this season's over, the Red Sox are going to win. And after that, the Patriots are going to win. And then after that, they're just going to keep winning. It's almost an attitude of the fans. So it's, it's just weird to see the fan bases. Um, I haven't been to the Garden, TD Garden in Boston in a long time. I wasn't impressed with the arena. I remember the last time I liked the arena, but they've done work around it. It doesn't even, when you walk in, you walk into a train station. You don't feel like you're even walking into an arena. You feel like you're just moving into, uh, uh, like you're going to New York in a, in a subway station. Uh, the, the hallways weren't nice. It was in, inside. It was dark. I didn't, the seats, uh, no legroom. Master's Garden to me has zero legroom for seats. I'm sitting in the sixth row, and there was no legroom sitting there at all in the seats. I uh, just was not impressed with the arena, and I was there about an hour before the game, and I did not get the vibe I got in Cleveland. I didn't get the enthusiasm. I, I expected Game 7, the crowd. Everyone tells me how loud the crowds are. It was loud in points, but I've been to louder arenas. It wasn't the loudest arena I've ever been to. And uh, it was interesting where I sat. In front of me was Maverick Carter, who was LeBron James's uh, agent. He seemed relaxed, joking throughout the entire game. Behind me was the general manager and the other uh, staff of the Cavaliers, Cody Ullman. And they're sitting there, and they were <laughs> nervous, not smiling. I think Maverick Carter realizes whatever happens this game, LeBron's going to be playing great next year. He's going to make money. Whereas I think Cody's like, this could be the end. <laughs> next year, if LeBron leaves, we have no players. We'll be in last place. So I think they were like very nervous behind, and, the, and Maverick was very relaxed in the front. But uh, I just thought there was a lot of Cavalier fans at the game uh, cheering them on. But I, and the Celtic fans ever have the reputation of being mean and nasty and those things. And I was standing next to someone who was, who was wearing a poncho of a Cavaliers, and no one really got on him. No one complained. All in good-natured fun, stuff like that. But uh, certainly very – I mean, LeBron had that game face on. LeBron was ready to go from the moment the game started. I think he knew what he had to do. Uh, I was shocked overall from the game. I was shocked at the, the, the Boston. It just did not seem they, that finally the moment caught up to them. The team that was anchored by a 20 and 21 year old players played like a very, very young team. Played, they did not play like they had played before in a game seven. Their record in game sevens in Boston has been tremendous. They, they won 20 out of 24 games they played in game sevens for the Celtics in their history. But of course, those, when you talk about historical numbers, these players didn't play in those games. And uh, except for against Milwaukee, and and they beat Boston, beat Milwaukee, and they beat Philadelphia. Two other very young teams. 
they are going against LeBron James's game, and LeBron was he's playing in so many big games. He was so prepared for this game, but the rest of the Cavaliers didn't really play well. I mean, it was. I was shocked that, that, that first of all, the, the performance was horrendous on the shooting ends from both sides. I mean, there was a time in the game where the Cavaliers shot 3 for 24 from the three-point line, and the Boston was 4 for 24. Uh, at, you know, in the, for, the, for, the, for the game, Boston shot 29 of 85, 34%, but 7 for 39 from three points, just firing up three points. I mean, the Cavaliers shot 9 for 35 from three-point line. Um, Boston was up 20, in the first quarter. Cleveland only scored 18 points. They were down 26-18 in the first quarter. Uh, it was 43-39 in the second quarter. And then in the third quarter, Cleveland you know, went on to some sort of run, but it was still 59-56. But it was, it, it, was, it, was, it was close to nip and tuck the whole game. It was 76-73. Cleveland was 421 to go. And then, uh, and then suddenly went from 76 to 73 with 421 to go. To with, with about a couple seconds to go, 87-76. So in the last four and a half minutes, Boston only scored three points. I mean, it was unbelievable. Boston missed ten straight shots. Um, it was really one of just, – just to give you the numbers of what the Boston players did, uh, Terry Rozier, two for 14, 0 for 10 from three-point line uh, for three points, uh, for four points again. Jalen Brown, five for 18, three for 12. Marcus Smart, 1 for 10, 0 for 4 uh, from three-point line. Um, Jason Tatum was the only player who played, 24 points. Uh, it, was, it was just but, – but the Cavaliers didn't play great. I mean, George Hill, like I said, was so important, he only had six points, two for six. Jeff Green came up big. I, Jeff Green, who played at Boston before, uh, was 7 for 14, 2 for 9 from three-point line, eight rebounds, 19 points, hit some big shots. Uh, I don't know if technically – LeBron won the game. At the end of the second half, what LeBron was doing was just dribbling the ball for 24 seconds and just driving and scoring. Uh, earlier in LeBron's career, he was not that great a finisher. Maybe he's afraid of getting fouled. But he was just, there was a play where there were three Boston players on his back. I mean, he was like Shaquille O'Neal, dragging them in, scoring. There was no way to stop him. I, I just, he, was, he was hitting some outside shots, not hitting some outside shots. His outside shot was fair, but generally those drives were just, every time Boston felt like they were getting closer, they were going to get back to the game, LeBron just made these great, tremendous drives to the basket. I just do not know why Boston, when they saw all the other Cavaliers missing shot after shot after shot, why Boston just did not double and just get the ball out of LeBron's hands. But they just, that's the defense they chose. On the offensive end, uh, Brad Stevens has this great reputation. Certainly their offense was amazing. They would pass the ball, get the right shooters, have easy shots. Their offense totally broke down. And Terry Rozier was throwing up shots. Now, I know he made some of these shots before, but they weren't working. when they weren't shooting well, they were not working for good shots. They were not running their offense. I would have called, I thought Stevens should have called more timeouts. I thought the team could be more disciplined, that they would run plays. They were doing nothing. They were just taking bad shots and missing them. I'm sitting next to the fans, and they're like, stop shooting these threes. And I know all the analytics out there, and we're going to have Mike Zellino on in a few minutes to talk about uh, the series but, about three-point shots. But there's got to be a point. Everyone says, oh, you shoot more threes. The more threes you shoot, that's great because it's a better percentage and more points. But if you're 0 for 20 on three-point shots, it's, I'd rather go and get the dunks and the baskets of the two-point shots. These teams, it seemed like we're just, just and we're going to talk about the Golden State Series, just keep, kept relying on three after three after three. And it just, was, uh, it just didn't work. And it, and it, and it, was, it, was, it was certainly not uh, 
not a good situation at all. And the last point of the, uh, well, for the series, I just want to give some stats. I mean, LeBron James, 33 points, 52% shooting, 9 rebounds, 8.4, 8 in assists. Uh, and it's one game he had 15 points. Just tremendous. But no one else did really anything. J.R. Smith had 25% shooting. George Hill, 23% shooting. I mean, the three-point shots were horrendous from everybody else except for LeBron. And they still ended up winning. Um, the one interesting note of the game is that Kyrie Irving didn't even sit on the bench. Now, remember, Kyrie was traded from uh, uh, Cleveland to Boston because he wanted out. He demanded a trade, and they traded him to Boston for a trade that probably didn't work for for uh, for uh, Cleveland at all, except getting a draft pick. And they made the trade, and Kyrie played great for them for Boston beginning the year, but then had to have knee surgery, and he's been on the bench supporting the team. Now, in a game seven, when everything matters, when, 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 you, when you would think that someone like Kyrie who's won NBA championships, who knows this team, who knows J.R. Smith, who knows LeBron James, he should be on the bench talking to the young players like Terry Rozier, Jalen Tatum, and Brown, Jalen Brown, and Jared Tatum, and talking to them and working with them and, and giving them He wasn't on the bench at all. And just a few hours ago, we found out the reason he wasn't there was he had deviated septum surgery and he had bandages on his face or something. Like, the surgery could not have waited. Uh, They could have done another time. He could have been on the bench. I can't believe he wasn't on the bench. I, I just, I would, I'm in shock. I was, when I heard the reason, I didn't know what the reason was. I was surprised he wasn't on there because I felt he could have added so much to the team and been there. And, uh, but, you know, he wasn't there and wasn't able to help out. And uh, I just, you know, going forward, I think a lot of Celtics fans are confident for the future. I think they say we have a young team. We're Brown and Tatum are 2021. 20, we have Marcus Smart, who's we're going to re-sign. We have this great young team. We have Irving come back. But, hey, you got a chance. You're in a game seven. You win. You don't know when. The other teams could pass you. As much as I think Boston looks like unbeatable in the future, Milwaukee is good and young. Philadelphia is a great young team. Uh, you got to get to the finals. I think getting to the finals this year against a team like the Cavaliers that were playing didn't play well. Cleveland, you got Cleveland in one game in your building. That's all you could ask for. They didn't close it out. They didn't play well in that game. That's game seven. They shot terrible. And uh, I think they're going to regret that. I think it's a, I think it, it, it's, it's such thing that, that, uh, that, you know, they're patting themselves on the back. They had this great year, amazing year. They were the second seed. They made it to the game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals with all, without their star players, and they should get all the credit in the world for that. But when you get that one chance, finish it out. So, but uh, we're going to have Mike Isolino uh, on to talk about basketball in a few minutes. He's going to call in. But I'm going to switch gears now to the game I'm going to uh, right now, uh, tonight, would be uh, Golden State and Houston. And, again, another series where I said a sweep. I thought Golden State was just going to wear Houston down and win four games. And they split in Houston 1-1. And then uh, Golden State blew them out in, uh, in, 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 in Oakland. So it's 2-1. And I'm thinking, okay, this series is over. It's Tuesday night. Uh, and I felt like Golden State's going to win the game. They're going to go up 3-1. They'll probably win the one game in Houston. Worst case scenario, game six. But I really thought they were going to go back to Houston and win it. And that game, I, I was in Vegas at the Bellagio watching the sports book, and it's always exciting to be in Las Vegas and watching a game like this in the sports book. It's, it's tremendous. But, and the Warriors went out to a 12 nothing start, 28-19 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, they were, Houston's up 34-18. They're up 34-17. It was just amazing. But what happened is that it should, it should have been over. Uh, you know, Golden State was up 80-70 to 70 going into the fourth quarter. This is when, you know, they finish up. They're at 10 points, 
everything's fine. Uh, Curry had just scored 17 points in that third quarter. The game should have been over. And then when, with 10 minutes ago, Curry went out of the game. Durant went in the game. They're still up eight points. But after that, Durant misses two straight threes. Draymond Green misses a dunk. Curry checks back in with eight minutes to go, and the lead is only three. So the lead went from eight to three. And then with a minute to go, the Rockets are up with, at 143, 94-91. So it's a minute and 43 to go. They, the Rockets are 94-91. The score ended 95-92. That means with one minute and 43 seconds to go, this great Golden State Warriors team, this amazing team that can do absolutely everything, is just tremendous, that we won all these games with Durant, Curry, Thompson. They're so amazing. They, Clay misses the three. Curry misses a three. Rockets turn the ball over. Curry misses a layup. Harden misses a shot. And then on the final play, Durant drives and is out of control, throws it to Clay Thompson, who then throws up a terrible shot. So they don't score. They, don't, they score one point at the end. And then the last play, Curry doesn't get the shot off. It was a horrendous ending in game. I mean, here's a team that, that has won every last-minute game, knows how to, to play at the end of the games, and, does, and scores one point in the last minute and 43 just, I'm like in shock at home. I mean, it's just a terrible, terrible, terrible loss for them in a game that they should have been up 3-1, the series should have been over, and they just let them back in. So it was, it was, a, it was just a, a terrible performance from their part. I mean, it was it, it, just an example. They were outscored 25-12. to 12. The Golden State Warriors scored 12 points in a quarter. Durant was 9 for 24, 1 for 3 on 3. Curry was 10 for 26, 6 for 13 for 28 points. Um, but it was just just a terrible performance. And that then, you know, that then brought back to, uh, that, that, that brought to game five in Houston. And again, I mean, there's been only, there's been really no close games in any of these series, except for games four and five. And in Houston, they go up 23-17 in the first quarter. Uh, uh, I really thought that, you know, there was, I thought the Warriors would be in great shape, but it was still 45-45 at the half. At, but Harden was playing terrible. Harden was 4 for 13. Paul was 0 for 7. Uh, the Warriors were shoot, shoot, not shooting well themselves, 43%. Rockets, 4, 35%. At this point now, I just, it was just a, a very bad game. Everyone's missing shots. Um, Houston was only playing with seven players. But then at the end of the third, the Warriors are still up 72-71. Got another close game. Another chance for the Warriors to stay in there. But it's still Paul was 3 for 12. Harden, 4 for 15 at that point. And then... At that time, Harden was 0 for 9 from three points of shots. In between those games and the last game, he ended up with a point where he was 0 for 21. Um, uh, but the Rock- and then with three minutes to go, this is what I just love when looking when you look at things. Three minutes to go, the Rockets are up 92-89. Harden misses a shot. Warriors turn the ball over. Paul misses a shot uh, for, the War- for the Rockets. Then D- Draymond Green for the uh, Warriors misses a layup, but tips it at 92-91. Then Eric Gordon hit probably the biggest shot. He went up 95-91, hits a three. Then Jeremy Green hits a three. Paul misses a shot. And then it's 92-91. So they're down by, they're down by uh, one, well, they're down by uh, uh, 95-94 at that point. It's 95-94, and Paul is lying down, Chris Paul is lying down with a torn hamstring, which people didn't know back at that time, or a hurt hamstring, injured, lying down on the other side of the floor. The, the Warriors don't call timeout. They come up. And they have now a five-on-four break, which is great. They don't need to call a timeout because they have a five-on-four break. And they, they settle for Quinn Cook, who's in the game, taking a, a three-point shot. I know it's wide open, but when you're down one point, this is your chance to win. This is important. This is a chance to go up 3-2, go back home, win it. You don't want Quinn Cook taking that last shot. Uh, just, 
just terrible end-of-game execution again. I think Draymond Green fumbles the ball, and the game is over. So it ended up 98-94. Just I felt like at a point now what the Warriors were doing was they had 18 assists, 16 turnovers. Stop passing the ball. Durant was one for nine in the fourth quarter the last two games. Here's a person in Durant averaged 5.5 assists a game during the regular season, had two games of no assists. I mean, the one in that last game, he had 42 pass. He averages 42 passes a game, only had 26 passes. So it was an absolutely horrendous performance by Golden State. And they go back home. They're down 3-2 in a must-win game. But, of course, the Rockets don't have Paul. And they were favored to win that game uh, in Game 6. And they ended up, you know, blow. And then everyone's expecting Game 6. They were 12-point favorites. And they get down 39-22 at the end of the first quarter. Down 17 points in the first quarter without the Rockets having Paul. Eric Gordon playing great. But Clay Thompson, two years ago, when, on this, when they were against, it was 3-2 against Oklahoma City, scored 41 points, 11 for 18 three-point shooting, did the same thing this game. Had 35 points, had 11, 9 for 14 from threes, saved the game. They went on a run that was simply unbelievable, 64-25 to 25 in the second half. They outscored uh, the Rockets 31-9 to 9 in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Rockets led 74-72 with four minutes to go in the third. At that point, they went on a 43-12 to 12 run to finish the game. Uh, the Warriors did. It was, un- it was simply a tremendous performance and amazing. So right now we're down at a, at a game seven. And I think we have Mike Isolino on the line. Mike? Hello? Hello, Mike? Yep. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, Mike, sorry. Uh, so I was just finishing. I was giving the history of our game. I'm glad you're on the line right now to talk. Uh, so... NBA Finals. We got the we got Cavaliers to to. We have Mike Isolino. Mike is the uh, coach at Robert Morris, former NBA basketball player at the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, uh, and and a star in Europe uh, at Verona, and won a Euro championship in, in, in Europe. So certainly experienced as a coach and a player. Uh, I guess Mike, the question I have for you is, you played in these big games. You played in the playoffs when you were in Europe. Why, what happens? What's the difference between the regular season and the playoffs? What, why, why are somehow players that seem so consistent during the regular season, what happens in the playoffs? Is, is it nerves? Is it the intensity of the game? What makes a difference in the playoffs? Well, I think it's a combination of things. Definitely uh, the intensity of the game picks up. Um, you know, if you've never experienced an 82-game season, um, you know, it's hard to put in context, but uh, you know, it's hard to play and get up for every game in an 82-game season. It's a lot of games, and plus the playoffs. Uh, but the intensity definitely picks up. Um, I think the execution uh, becomes more important. Uh, and, when, and when you play in seven-game series, um, the detail of uh, how we're playing this ball screen, how we're playing that ball screen, uh, how we're playing down screens, how we're playing uh, post-defense, who we're doubling, when we're doubling, all those things you get to emphasize a little more rather than, okay, we played um, Philadelphia on a Friday night, and then Saturday we got to come back and play somebody else. You might not have time, as much time to prepare, where if you're playing a seven-game series, you're, you're preparing every single day. So that, that heightens the intensity, heightens the, the detail of it. Uh, and in turn, you gotta, you got to come back with uh, you know, great detail, great intensity to, to, to offset that. What, in terms of the Boston series, the Boston and Cleveland, 
the first three games were literally almost blowouts on each other's uh, courts. Boston won their three, and, and, and Cleveland won their three. Uh, people kept saying, oh, it's because of, uh, it's, it's harder for the younger players to play on the road in a playoff series and those things. What, what would you expect? What, you know, it seemed like everybody from Boston played terrible in Cleveland and everyone in Cleveland except LeBron played terrible in Boston. What, would you, what did you look into that? Is, is there something into that that means that if you're younger, you can't play well on the road? Or, or is, there, is that just over, you know, over analyzing this? No, I think, you know, I think uh, traditionally teams have played a little bit better at home. But this is—it's kind of funny if if you remember. Um, this has a little been a little bit of the trend in the NBA, where um, these games are twenty-five point wins for one team, thirty-point wins for the one team. The next team they lose the game, um, not just home and away, but just uh, in general. And, and I think sometimes when you get down and, and they feel like they can't win the game, they just kind of throw in the towel um, and, and don't put forth. The greatest of effort anymore because they can't. They feel like the game is over, and 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 why waste that? Because you got the next game coming up. Uh, just one game. Whether you win by two points or you, whether you win by forty, it's still just one game. Uh, but there's been this uh, trend, I think, the last maybe two or three years where these games haven't been as close. Uh, you know, you see it in this. You know, veteran guys for Houston. Uh, they got a lot of veteran guys, and they lose by what forty-one night. Uh, 31 night on game, you know, I can't remember what game it was. They lose by 30. So I don't think youth has everything to do with it. Um, I think it plays a part in some of the, some of the um, pressure that comes with playoffs going through it, having the experience of it definitely uh, favors a team with more experience. But I don't, I don't think these blowouts have anything to do with we're playing well at home or away has anything to do with, uh, you know, guys who, you know, coming or rookies or second year guys or guys who are, you know, 10 year vets. Uh, I think that, 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 that's shown, um, you know, on the road, Kevin Durant has struggled at times, uh, on the road, uh, James Harden, who are veterans, uh, have struggled at times. I just think sometimes it's more difficult to play on the road. I guess the other question would be, and it's just something we talked about this when we were talking about the NCAAs, but it's even more relevant. I mean, in the NBA is, Especially now we have two teams, the Warriors and Rockets, that emphasize shooting threes. But it's even more on the, in the Boston-Cleveland game. At what point they just kept shooting threes? Clearly nobody was shooting well. There was not one hot shooter. Um, and everybody just kept shooting. And, and, and you just kept wondering, like, when are you going to go to the hoop? I mean, neither team had a, had a Patrick Ewing who was going to block every shot. There, there was, I mean, I know the... the the uh, Cavaliers had one game with a nine blocks, but LeBron was certainly not going to. He had an amazing block on Terry Rozier, where Rozier was coming and we baited Rozier to dunk it, and he blocked him instead of passing it to Horford. But besides that, they, LeBron was going to try to block every shot because he would get in foul trouble. But why are the teams not, the lack of the teams, I was shocked by not going to the basket and just settling for three after three. Uh, what, at what point did these teams, you know, let's, let's not shoot so many threes, let's score some twos? Yeah, I think that was surprising last night. Um, you know, for especially on Boston's uh, end of it, especially Rozier going over ten. I think that uh, you know that's how they've kind of played all year. Um, but I think you know at that time, you know, you have to make some adjustments and and figure out of getting the ball a little more into the post with Horford or uh, trying to attack the basket more. You know, Tatum was very effective attacking the basket. Um, you know, I think Jalen Brown probably the guy who probably could have got to the basket a little bit more. Um, 
you know, just what was surprising that they would base their season in a game seven on three point shooting like that. And, and again, there's where inexperience, I think, can factor into it. Um, you know, guys just continuing to shoot, thinking it's going to go in rather than, hey, you know, I've just been through, you know, 82 games, uh, 14 playoff games. Now I'm in a game seven again. Uh, it's been, you know, one day off in between. Guys' legs are a little bit more tired, um, you know, because they had some breaks after, you know, the first two games. Uh, but then they went, you know, game five, day off, game six, day off, game seven. You know, fatigue sets in. Um, and, again, I think veteran guys who have been through that, that's where they say, hey, let's get to the basket a little bit more. Um, but, you know, it's just funny. Guy, guys uh, trying to say, hey, this is how we did it all year. We're going to stick with what we did and take the shots. And obviously last night for, uh, you know, for Boston, it didn't work out. You know, game six, LeBron settled for two jump shots, long-range threes. That I thought he should have drove to the basket, but he made both of them. Uh, last night he did not settle in the fourth quarter for those shots. He used that a little bit more, his experience and his ability to get to the basket and make plays. So I think there's where experience go, comes into it. And you've watched LeBron. I, I just made that comment earlier when we were talking. Um, LeBron, earlier in his career, seemed to not be that great a finisher, you know, missing some layups and missing whatever and, and not being known as, that quote, the closer. And in the, certainly in the playoffs, but last night it just seemed like he had those three or four, about four drives to the basket, where everybody was draped all over. He's getting fouled, he's getting pushed, and he just laid it in and made it. And I just, I, there was a one where I was sitting on the opposite end of the field, and I just saw four Cavaliers standing around LeBron, and like it seemed like every Celtic was on top of LeBron, and the ball still went in. I, I think that's what you mentioned about being a scorer. Um, it, it seemed like Tatum was trying to do that, but nobody else wasn't, and LeBron was the most effective in terms of just taking the ball to the hole and, uh, and, and scoring. I guess, I mean, any comments about LeBron? I mean, we don't do the Jordan comparison or anything like that, but his ability to... I guess, what, what impresses you? I mean, it's hard to say what impresses you most, but I guess that would be the question. Like, what, what, what impresses you most about LeBron at age 33 uh, playing like this? Well, you know, it's funny. You, you watched the shows this morning, and, and, and all the shows were about who, the comparison of Michael to LeBron. And that's always going to be a comparison. Um, you know, I played against Michael, so I'm always going to probably fall on the side of Jordan. But here's one thing I know right now about LeBron and his game and how it's evolved. Um, there's nobody in the league right now that could take that team and get to the NBA Finals. Now, I know it's not the greatest Eastern Conference. Um, you know, I know they didn't play against the best Boston team because they were without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Um, you know, I know that the, uh, you know, Washington was supposed to have a good year. Dan Toronto has uh, traditionally been cupcakes against Cleveland, and you know it's not the Western Conference. But I don't right now. I you know not saying who Michael LeBron, but I know this. I don't think there's another player in the league that could take that team and get to the NBA Finals, and that's what makes LeBron so special. Um, he has the ability to help his teammates get to another level. Um, you know, now Michael had great players with him and everything like that, um, you know, to, to win. And I think the competition in the Eastern Conference was a lot tougher then. But LeBron has elevated his game to, to make everybody else around him, even when they're not playing well. That was the thing back in the day. LeBron would play great. Nobody else would play well, and they would lose. 
and that's not happening now. LeBron can play great, and once in a while they lose, but he can will enough guys to play better and make them better in a situation where they can win. So, you know, they talked about maybe this is his greatest feat, making it to the NBA Finals. I, I, I don't know about this. I just know that I don't think there's another guy in the league, Ira, that could take a team like the Cavaliers. And, again, they have some talent. I mean, they're not the, they're not, they don't have, a, you know, a ton of uh, all-stars or anything like that, but they have enough pieces with Kyle Korver and Smith that can make shots and, and Love is, you know, an all-star type of level player. And Tristan Thompson obviously can, can compete at a high level in terms of rebounding and finishing and does his role. So they have enough pieces. Um, but, again, it goes back to how LeBron has been able to elevate uh, his game uh, to when they really, really need him, that he converts and makes plays down the stretch. And they're right now at this point, there's nobody else in the league that could do that. No question about it. Like you could put, if, if you could put Durant, you could put Curry, you could put Harden. They would not be able to take this Cleveland Cavalier team to the NBA Finals like LeBron did. And, uh, and that's what goes to Mike show, that he's in a different it, level, on a different level than anybody else in the league right now. Yeah. So we're, we're talking to Mike Isolino on the True Oldie Station. This is Iron Sports, uh, and we're going over the Celtics-Cavaliers game, and now we're going to turn to the Rockets-Warriors. Um, Mike, the question I have is I'm just shocked. I just can't believe that Golden State has looked so bad at stages. And is it, I don't know if it's Curry. Curry seems healthy. He's playing 40 minutes a game, but... What, what I don't think the Rockets are playing that great a defense, but what has happened is that Durant seems to just play, I mean, hero ball where he's just dribbling, 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 where he doesn't have to be like LeBron because LeBron has to have the ball in his hands all the time. Durant has three other, four other all-stars around him. What, what has happened to Golden State, and why, is, why am I in Houston right now? This should, series has been over, I felt like, last week, and I'm sitting here in Houston going to a Game 7. Well, I mean, I, I think two reasons. Number one, I think people have, have underestimated Houston. I mean, I think it's a very, very good team. Um, you know, Harden is obviously going to be the MVP of the league this year. And uh, Chris Paul may be one of the best, if not the best, point guards ever play the game. Like, he's really, really good. And, and, and they're playing their system. Um, so I think that this is a team that's won 60-plus games. So they're, they're facing a really, really good basketball team in Houston that I think people just, I think people have taken um, uh, Golden State for granted. I just think that, uh, you know, people have said, oh, they have just so much talent, so much of uh, scoring power that, 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 that they're just going to dominate everybody. And that, and, and that hasn't been the case, um, you know, because there's some other good teams out there. I think that's one of the factors, and I think Houston is a, is, is a very good team. Do I think Houston is is going to beat them tonight? No, I don't. But uh, you know, especially without Paul, uh, I think if they had Paul, they, they they could definitely beat him. But you know, I think every team has a you know crink in their armor, and uh, you know sometimes um, when you don't have enough role guys and you got a lot of stars, sometimes that 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 can hurt. Last year, Durant came; it was all fresh. Everybody was hyped. It was all new. Um, you know, everybody blended in well. Uh, and now I think it's a little bit different. And I think, you know, some of it Curry has struggled and he's trying to find his way, you know, without Durant, when he found his way, he could shoot 25, 30 shots. Now with Durant on the team and he's trying to find his way, he can't get all those shots. Um, you know, Durant has just been a high volume shooter, uh, a very effective one. And, uh, you know, I think it's sometimes hard to blend all that in together, 
in a, in a second year. That being said, I just I still think they're a phenomenal team. Um, you know, that's going to be really difficult to not win the NBA title for them. So you're, we were ta- we were talking about what what it's going to take for uh, Houston to win. Besides making the threes and uh, and and in terms of the overall, what about defensively in terms of what they're going to have to do to stop Golden State? You know, I, I don't think they've done a great job of uh, a defensive game plan in any of the games uh, against them, and I don't I don't know if that's their strong suit. Um, that they're going to hang their hat on. They haven't done that all year in terms of uh, you know, hanging their hat on winning games defensively. So I, I wouldn't suspect that, that that would be – obviously they have a game plan, but I wouldn't suspect that that would be the focal point of uh, how they're going to win the basketball game tonight. I'd be shocked um, if that happened. Um, you know, they, they, they obviously are going to try some different things, especially running at Durant. Um, but again, if Durant and Curry don't shoot the ball well – uh, then the defensive game plan works pretty well. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> That's what it seems uh, like it's I don't been going. expect that to happen because you still have Clay Thompson. Um, you still have Draymond Green. You have a lot of weapons in there. So, again, I would be shocked if the defensive stops. they got to get enough of them, but I would be surprised if the defensive stops is what Houston is hanging their hat on to win this game tonight. And one last question before I let you go is, is how will Houston – how are they going to overcome? Now, maybe Paul might play into a Willis Reed where he runs out. I can't imagine someone who could have a hamstring injury could be effective in one game in a couple of days of rest. But how is Houston going to – it seems like everyone said he was going to play a longer bench. But he didn't – he played seven guys. I mean, Mute played a little bit more for Houston, but it didn't seem like they extended the bench. Harden played more minutes. It just seemed like all the starters played more minutes. Do you, do you expect – what do you think Houston does in order to uh, compensate for the fact that Harden's going to be out? In, I mean, the fact that Paul's going to be out for a game seven. I don't know. I don't have the answer because I, I don't think they win without Paul. Um, you know, because if you look back over the course of James Harden's career – when is he in a playoff game led his team to big victory? Um, I can't remember too many times. You know, last year in game six, he basically disappeared. Um, he was two for know, 11, with two for nine from three, 10 points. He had a minus 28 rating against the Spurs, and they lost by 40. <laughs> so, yeah. That's the last so, I game. mean, yeah, if you're, if you're saying, hey, look, uh, you know, and again, one of the reasons they got. Chris Paul is because they realized that they needed more help for James Harden. Uh, and again, James Harden is a phenomenal player. Like I said, probably the MVP of the league this year. But I can't, number one, he's going against a Golden State team that is, over the course of the last four years, arguably <laughs> the best team that's been around uh, for a while. Um, you know what I mean? With, all, with everything they have. Um, no, I'm not going out there and saying they're the greatest of all time, but I'm saying that, that in the past four or five years, they've been the team to beat over that course of time. Um, and I just can't remember a time when James Harden has led his team to that type of victory in, in, in a big-time game. So I don't suspect that tonight. Uh, you know, I, w- I would be shocked if Golden State doesn't win the game um, fairly easy in the second half. Uh, because I think they're just they're going to wear them down. They have too much um, for that, and I think Golden State will be back in, in the finals. And 
you know, <laughs> of all the drama, of all the things that have gone on over an NBA season, at the beginning of last season, people were saying Golden State and Cleveland again, probably, you know, people threw in Boston a little bit. And then after game one, when Hayward got hurt, he was done. And then Kyrie, in the end, it comes back to the basically the two two teams that people had said from the get-go, Golden State and Cleveland, which, uh, you know, usually holds true in the NBA that over the course of seven games, the best teams will win. And I think Golden State's the best team, um, especially without Chris Paul tonight. Well, anyway, Mike, thanks so much. This is Mike Isolino, uh, coach at Robert Morris, uh, NBA player at the Dallas Mavericks, and in Europe for Verona but uh, and other teams. Uh, but thanks a lot, Mike, for coming on. And on World Day weekend, enjoy the rest of your holiday, and I appreciate you coming on the show today. Always great to be on, Ira. Take care. So, again, this is Ira Sports. Uh, we've just finished talking to Mike Isolino. We're breaking down the NBA playoffs. And uh, we're going to go over a couple more points to finish out the show. Uh, the, this is on True Oldies, 95.9, 106.9 in West Palm Beach. Uh, the Vegas Knights tonight at the <laughs> play, uh, Washington Capitals in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, next week we'll be able to try, probably have some guest on who's going to be able to break this series down in terms of what we've seen so far. There'll be about three games into it by the time we have a guest on next week, next Monday. But... Uh, as I said, I was out in Vegas last week. Uh, the excitement is off the charts. I, there are the tickets for the Stanley Cup Finals. I was looking online for the NBA Finals in Cleveland, Golden State, Stanley Cup Finals in Washington, NHL in Vegas, by far the highest get-in prices to get into the game, the best seats, the highest prices. Uh, as everything, when people said, it, is, is hockey going to catch on in Vegas? It has totally caught on. The town is... 100% behind the team, and the excitement level could not be greater. And I think it's something that's going to be sustained 20 years from now. I really think that 20 years from now, you're going to be talking about the Golden Knights and how popular they are in Las Vegas. Certain markets, it hits. Certain markets, it doesn't. Um, in terms of as the southern markets, Atlanta, they, they never really got caught on with hockey, but I think Vegas, it will. I think the Kings in Los Angeles have. It's been tremendous there. Um, and uh, certainly Tampa Bay, the tremendous excitement there for the team. Some of the markets have, but this is a market that it'll be very exciting to see the series. Um, Ovechkin is going to be trying to get his first Stanley Cup title. He's been one of the great superstars in all of hockey for over a decade, and this is his chance to win his first title, sort of like what Paul Chris Paul is trying to do for Houston if he was, didn't get injured. And at the same time, uh, you have a team like the Golden Knights that were a bunch of cast-offs uh, and some teams like Flurry, their goaltender has uh, NHL experience, winning Stanley Cups for the Penguins. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting series, and can't wait to see that. I'm not going to miss the game tonight, but certainly watch the other series because they go off the, the, the nights that there's no NBA Finals, the NHL plays. Um, I want to turn right now to baseball just really quick um, and go over. I, I think that today this series is starting the Astros and the Yankees. That's the American League Championship Series. These two teams are amazing. The Astros, from a pitching perspective, and they have great hitting too, but mainly from pitching. And the Yankees, the Yankees hitters are it, just to watch their games. I mean, they can be down 5 nothing, 6-1, 7-1 in a game, and they're going to still come back. I don't think we've, in decades, have seen hitters like this, especially in the, National, in the American League where there's no designated hitter. I mean, they were at nine, at one point in the season, they were 9-9. Nine nine. 
Now they're 33 and 16. They seem to be winning like every day. They have so many hitters. I mean, Gary Sanchez, the catchers, 12 home runs, 33 RBIs. Stanton from Miami, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs. Aaron Judge, 14 home runs, 39 RBIs. D.D. Gregorius, 11 home runs, 34 RBIs. And then they bring Labor Torres up uh, to play second base from the minors, and he has nine home runs, 24 RBIs, in 30 games. I mean, I remember I was at a bar, a sushi bar, talking to Rudy Giuliani, who we see on TV now defending Trump. We're not getting into politics. But I argued with him for half an hour that D.D. Gregorius is not going to replace Derek Jeter. But he was right. He was taking the D.D. side, D.D. side, and he was saying how great he was and how phenomenal he was going to be and everything like that. And I was, I was arguing with America's mayor and saying, I don't think so. And I told him so. We were going back and forth very nice, kind-heartedly, but I, I totally disagreed with what he said. But I haven't seen the mayor since, Mayor Giuliani since, but if I saw him, I'd say I apologize. D.D. Gregorius has had been amazing, much better than I anticipated. I don't think he's replacing Derek Jeter in terms of the overall whatever, but I think he's far superior than I ever thought he would be. Um, and their pitching, though, is a problem. I mean, they're Severino, their one star pitcher, 7-1 with a 2.35 ERA. Tanaka, 6-2 with 4.620 ERA. But really, no other pitchers. But it's almost like the Yankees don't need to have pitching. They they can get down. Their their uh, relief core is fantastic uh, between Roberts and Chapman and Matanzas, and they hang in there and they win the games. So I'm real excited in terms of watching the Yankees play, and they're playing the Astros right now. Verlander's pitching, but today we're taping the show, and they're playing at the moment. But uh, if you look at the Astros, they're 34 and 20. You know they won the World Series last year. Justin Verlander is six and two with a 105 ERA. Garrett Cole from the Pirates, who they signed, who got a trade, 501 with a 205 ERA. Craig Morton, 7 and 0. Lance McCullers, 6 and 3. Their best, their best pitcher before last year was Dallas Keuchel, and he's 3 and 6. But to have such starting pitching, um, and, and still they still have all those hitters in terms of Tulvi and Springer and Bregman and Korea. Um, they're just they're just a great team to watch. And then I was in Boston yesterday, uh, and they're pumped about their Red Sox. And their Red Sox still are hanging in there with the Yankees and actually have a game lead. And uh, uh, Betts is 17 home runs, 37 RBIs, 359 uh, average. And J.D. Martinez, who they signed as a free agent, best free agent signing, 16 home runs, 42 RBIs. So it's been a been a tremendous time in terms of. Uh, the American League. The National League is wide open. I mean, there is almost everybody but the Marlins uh, and the Padres seem to be in a race and they can still do it, And which will hurt teams like the Yankees who are trying to make a trade for a pitcher, who want to get one of these teams around. If everybody thinks they're going to be in the playoffs, it's be hard to get them back in. And I, before we leave baseball, I do want to mention that Mike Trout, who people think is having one of the greatest years of all time. I mean, Babe Ruth in 1923 had a 14.01 war. That's wins against replacement. And it's an average they use in terms of how much better you are if some average player is there. And Trout's on a pace to pass that. Just in Yankee Stadium, he had five hits. It was five for five with three doubles and a home run. It hasn't been done. It's been done. That's been done less than, uh, than the cycle has. So he's just an amazing player. He's going to win probably the MVP this year in the American League and have one of those historic seasons. So we're going to have more time once the basketball season is over to focus more on baseball and talk about those. But the other topic I want to bring up is Memorial next week, the Memorial Golf Tournament. And as everyone knows, I'm a big Tiger fan. He's had four top 12 finishers uh, at the Honda, Valspar, Honor Palmer and players. This is a tournament he's won in 99, 2000, 2001, 2009, 2012. He's won five times. 
he loves his tournament. It's an interesting tournament. It's the one that Jack Nicholas uh, started or has been sort of involved with in Dublin, Ohio. Um, I look I look for Tiger to make a good run. He seems to like this tournament. Has played really well. One little interesting thing is that uh, he's in ranked number ten in terms of strokes gained, which means that what it's a statistic that they pull out that sort of thing. He's the tenth best golfer playing on the tour right now. Forget about winning percentage, or whatever. So people really think that that is you know he keeps getting better and better and better. In 1999, when he won the tournament, he won 459,000. Uh, this year, if he wins, he wins I think 1.6 million. So it shows you what Tiger has done for golf. And he really doesn't have that many more events because after this is the U.S. Open. Then he has uh, in June 14th to 17th and the National, uh, which is in Washington, D.C., which is his tournament. And then, uh, then the British Open. And then if he qualifies, then there's these quali- the qualification tournaments for the FedEx playoffs and these World Golf Championships. So it's not like Tiger's going to be playing every week. Uh, the rest of the year, he has to qualify for these World Golf Championships and he has to qualify for the uh, FedEx playoffs. And uh, before we go, uh, the one last topic is everyone knows I love tennis. Uh, French Open started yesterday at Sunday, and uh, Venus won. And uh, Venus lost, I mean, Venus Williams uh, in the first round. And also the uh, champion from last year, Odopenko, she lost in the first round. And Francois TFO, who we had on our show uh, a month ago, who I think you know, is going to be an amazing young American tennis player, uh, he had a bad draw. They go luck at the draw. That's what tennis is. Uh, he's not seated, so he was seated against the 12th seed, which is Sam Query from uh, American, who's very, very good, playing very well. And Query beat him in three sets. And it's like one of those tournaments. The tournaments are tough. I mean, you get Roger Federer in the first round, or you could get another player that you could beat and win a few rounds that way. So it's just a, it's, it's difficult, but it was a tough draw. And certainly we're going to be watching the doll, seeing if the doll can, uh, can, can win an, another French Open as 11th title and uh, see what Serena does that she's back playing. But uh, next week, we're, I'm going to be off to, to watch uh, Golden's Poly. We're going to see the game tonight. Then I've got two NBA final games coming up uh, in, uh, in, in Golden State. I think if they win. <laughs> so it'll be on Thursday and Sunday. We'll be back on our show on Monday. So we'll be talking about sort of summarizing if Tiger won his first golf tournament this week. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals. We're going to talk about the NHL Playoffs, talk about baseball, and uh, preview a little bit into the Belmont, which will be the following week. So there's, uh, there's a lot going on. We have some really great guests that are going to be on the show in the next few weeks. And I appreciate Mike Isolino for coming on now. Uh, this is Ira uh, from Ira on Sports, True Oldies 95.9, 106.9. Uh, thanks for listening, and can't wait to uh, talk about all these exciting sports events for next week. And happy Memorial Day to everybody. Thank you.